Good morning, Austin Oaks Church. How are we doing? Name is Brandon, lead pastor here. If you're a guest, you're visiting with us, um, welcome. We're glad that you're here. We want to let you know our heartbeat as a church is to be simply about Jesus because we believe that when you come to see him and know him for who he is and what he has done, it will radically change your life forever. And so we want to make Jesus the main thing here. Um, so real quick, I want to give you some uh, challenge and uh, something to mark on your calendar so that way you can be part of it. We, last week, we talked about um, these gift cards that we have because we want to be able to bless the community around us with gifts of mercy and compassion and love. And so we have gift cards, okay, at three tables, one back there, okay, in that corner, one right there, and one right there, right by the connection card stand that's all in black and all that kind of stuff. They're $50, okay? So what we want you to do, grab one of those gift cards, grab one of those God love you cards, and find somebody in need or who needs compassion or whatever it is, and just give it to them and just say, hey, this is an act of love. We were doing this because it's a reminder of what Jesus has done for us. And so this is our small little token of doing it. So just be blessed, no strings attached. So here's the challenge. I don't want to see one of these gift cards left by the end of the day, okay? Next Sunday or the next two Sundays, I don't want to be up here going, hey, let's get rid of these gift cards. We should be like excited to do this. And so like if you want to even grab more than one, Grab more than one, okay? But not for yourself, okay? So do that. Also, December 29th, okay? December 29th, mark this down. Um, um, Pastor Charles from Africa New Life will be here, and he's going to be preaching the message at our One Voice service. And I want to encourage you to be here because you're going to hear about something on Christmas Eve, um, how we're partnering with Africa New Life, and he's going to share his heart. And it's going to show us a glimpse as to how Austin Oaks and Africa New Life are moving forward in partnership. And so I want to encourage you to be here. All right, so we're in this series called Respect the Beard, and just as a real quick reminder, the beard was a symbol in ancient Israel of a bridge that would bridge the gap from the head to the body. That was a sign of going, not only do we know the right thing to do because we're going to respect the beard, we're also going to do the right thing, okay? It's a sign of wisdom. And so we've been looking now at, at this series going, okay, we don't want to know things just in theory. We don't want to just know the wise counsel and the right things to do. We actually want to do it. And so to have some fun, obviously, because we want to laugh a little bit, because some of these messages are a little hard. They hit home. And so we do the little children thing, but also we're having this beer of the week challenge. And I'm telling you, these email submissions and Instagram submissions are probably like the highlight of my week. They are hilarious. Some of them are really serious. Some of them are like begging and pleading me to pick them. You know, so it's just great. So here's how it works. Submit a picture, either of yourself or creep someone out and take their picture with their permission. And if they win, I will give you and that person a gift card, okay? And so at, also at the end of the series, we're going to do a beard of the series winner, and they're going to get a bigger prize than just some kind of $50 gift card to a coffee shop or whatever. So here's this week, okay? So last Sunday, right here in this front row, I didn't know it, okay? I wasn't paying attention because someone was shooting the video and it terrified me. There was three ladies sitting in the front row, and some of you might know them, some of you might not. And I thought, hey, they were trying to embarrass me by making me laugh, so I thought, hey, I'm going to put them on the screens and embarrass them instead. So here's what these ladies did. They were sitting in the front row in these three beards, okay? You got Mary Ellen, Brenda Lucky, and Kat Cannon, who's not wearing a beard this morning. And so I want to do that. And, and I told Brenda, she was at the 930 classic service, and I was like, Brenda, you actually look good in a beard. So I was just like, you yeah, know, moving on. Okay, now here's my favorite picture I've ever gotten. True story. It's our friendship class. They're a Sunday school um, group of old ladies who get together. They're right now meeting. And so they did this last Sunday, and I thought it was awesome. Okay, so I was just like, yes. Okay, that is the sweetest thing ever. So I have that picture saved. 
So here's the runner-up, not quite the winner, but it's good. It's good enough to get stage time. You know, so this is letting you know the competition we're getting, okay? This is Jared. His beard totally lost. Um, but this is Jared. He does a lot of stuff with our youth ministry, and he submitted his co-worker. Um, not quite there. Not quite there. So the winner, okay, the winner is an awesome beard submitted by a fellow in this church named, by the name of Ed Bacon. And it's his um, fitness coach, his fitness trainer at Anytime Fitness, I believe. And I looked at it. I was like, oh, yeah, this dude won. So here we go. Here's the winner of the week right there. I was like, yes, Ed, you win. Congrats. And then I went, you know what? I don't know if I want him as my fitness coach. He terrified, like, I'd be terrified as to what he would put me through. All right. So a little fun. So submit those pictures. Um, get a gift card if you win. Okay. So Proverbs, respect the beard. All throughout the book of Proverbs, there's three types of people that Solomon points out. And every Sunday, we're asking the question, which one are you? Are you the wise? Are you the foolish? Or are you the simple? The wise person is the individual who respects the beard, okay? They're the ones who know what to do, and they actually do it. That's the wise person. The foolish person is the one who knows what to do, but doesn't do it anyways. Chooses that maybe their way or their opinion, their preference is right. Even though they know the right thing, they choose to not do it, and that's the foolish person. The simple person is one who just simply doesn't think about it, okay? They think that their actions and consequences aren't related. A lot of times youth are considered to be simple, but we know that's, that, that's not the case, that a lot of times we are simple because we just choose to not think about it. We would rather be ignorant or naive because we don't want to do what we know we should do. Okay, so this morning, what we're going to talk about is four principles we're going to see in Proverbs of how to build wealth God's way, okay? Now, I know that sounds kind of odd, Building wealth. A lot of times, I, I, like the first two services, I just ask people, like, doesn't that just sit wrong to talk about that, like in church, like build wealth? Because it kind of feels like, well, that means greed and money's bad and money's evil, so how can we do this? But listen, if you study scriptures, and even what we're going to see this morning is that wealth creation is part of God's plan. It, it, he created us with the ability and the inherent desire to work. That's good. That's what it means to uh, be part of created in God's image. And part of the system that he created is, created, put us in is wealth creation. And what we got to understand is that it is a reflection of our heart. How do we honor God? Not just with what we give, but with how we work. What does our diligence and our, our responsibility look like? How do we manage the resources he gives us? But not only that, wealth creation is actually one of the ways we partner with God in building out his kingdom here on earth. Not only do we contribute financially by what he gives us, but it also puts us in different contexts and arenas by which we reflect the glory and the truth and the grace of Jesus Christ. And so we've got to understand this aspect of it. So here's the thing. Hope, I'm going to say this later, but I want you to grab this now. Hope is a bad strategy. I hope to be debt-free. I, I hope to be financially better in 2020 than 2019. I hope that whatever it is, hope is a bad strategy, okay? Like, you can't just know the right thing to do. You have to do it. And what we're going to see is that Proverbs lays out a beautiful blueprint of how we honor God with our wealth, okay? So here's a few things that I want to say. Honoring God with your wealth isn't just what you give, Okay? Honoring God isn't just, let's just say, the tithe. It's, it's just not the 10%, and then somehow the other 90% of your wealth doesn't honor God. Honoring God with your wealth is 100%. It 
part of honoring God with your wealth is giving of your first fruits. The rest of it is also honoring. So how then do we manage money God's way to build wealth that honors him? And the good news is, is that the Bible teaches us this. So we can't just know it. We actually have to start to do this, okay? Now, we talked about this for the last two Sundays, and I want to bring it up again. Money isn't evil. Money is neutral. Money can be a positive resource for great good, and it can also be a negative resource for great evil. The issue is righteousness and unrighteousness. The issue is the posture of the heart. It has nothing to do with money itself. It is neutral, okay? What we want to do is manage money God's way. We want to honor him with 100% so that we can enjoy life and enjoy the blessings that he gives us without guilt, Without feeling like, is it wrong to enjoy this? Should I be giving this and not giving that? How do I know it's like? Proverbs gives us a beautiful plan of how to do it in a way that frees us up. Here's the thing. I said it last week. I'm going to say it again because it's so important that we need to grab hold of this. God's commands and his precepts and his guidance and his counsel is for our good. God's not trying to get things from you. He's not trying to make your life miserable. He's not trying to do any of that because here's the reality that a lot of us struggle to believe with. God wants us to enjoy life. Amen? Do you believe that? It was one of the points we said last week that God doesn't want things from you. He wants to bless you. And if that's the case, then there is a right plan to build wealth to receive it in blessings, but here's what I need to say. Biblical understanding of wealth is nowhere near the same as our understanding of wealth. They're totally different. The Bible talks about wealth and riches. We equate wealth with how the Bible would equate riches. Like, I gotta have a lot. A lot of money, a lot of stuff, a great portfolio, and da-da-da-da-da, and all these types of things. But that's not the biblical concept of wealth. So here's the deal. When God gives us plans and guidance and principles and things like that, he's not doing it to make our lives miserable. He's trying to do it in a way where we can be blessed. It's just like a parent speaking to their child, son, daughter, you've got to do this because if you don't, here's the consequence. But if you do this, here's what will happen. That's the same thing that God does in our lives. He's trying to get us on the right path. He wants us to be wise and not foolish or simple. So here's what I know to be absolutely true of every single one of us. If we don't understand that commands, the precepts, the wisdom, and the counsel that God gives us is out of his good heart, it will make us look at him with spite. We need to remember how much God loves us. So here's a principle I want you to know. Rules without relationship will always lead to rebellion. It will always lead to rebellion. Rules without a relationship will always lead to rebellion. So if you don't see God's heart right in these, you will hear it and you'll be like, how dare you talk about my money? How dare you put a damper on my lifestyle? He's doing it out of love. And if you don't have that relationship, that's what's going to happen. So, This might make some of you feel really awkward. You don't have to feel guilty about making money and being successful. When's the last time you heard that in church? 
you don't have to feel guilty about making money because for some reason, we think that if we have more money, we might be more greedy, or maybe we gained that wealth in a really negative way and all this kind of stuff. But wealth creation is part of God's plan, right? It has nothing ever to do with the amount of money because the biblical concept of wealth is simply this. It's having enough to flourish as a human being created in the image of God. That's what wealth is. It's having enough to be able to live. Or we can say it this way, contentment with whatever it is. And having the right heart attitude or posture as it relates to possessions. So biblical wealth is a posture of having enough to live. And right now, right? Right now, let's just all say, let's all admit this, we're all wealthy. Okay? You chose, you chose to come here. In a very poor world, if a mom or dad chose to come to something like this and not work, that would mean their son or daughter wouldn't have food. Right? We have options. The fact that you have options means you're wealthy. So we're wealthy. So the other part of the biblical definition of wealth is what is your heart posture? How do you see possessions? How do you see things? Right? When we think of wealth, we immediately think of riches. Dollar amount. I got to have wealth. I got to have money. I got to have this. But that's not the biblical definition of wealth. Wealth in the Bible is contentment with a lot or with little. Right? It's honoring God. It's understanding that it's all about stewardship. Okay? It has nothing to do with dollars per se. The Bible, over and over, especially in Proverbs, talks about wealth creation, responsibility, work ethic, laziness, saving, planning, giving, over and over and over and over, as if God's going, this is all my idea, and I want you to be blessed, so do it my way. So here's a snapshot, okay? I want to show you some things. If we were to look at Proverbs here, I want to set up some verses for us to help us think of what's to come. Solomon says, in all toil... There is profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty, okay? Wealth creation is God's plan. We are to work, right? And because of sin, work oftentimes feels like toil, but that's part of it. That's part of God's design. But if all we're going to do is talk and not work, well, here's the foolish path. It's going to lead to poverty, right? So we then again look at Proverbs 14, 24. The crown of the wise is their wealth. Again, biblical definition, it's contentment with the right heart posture of how we see things. But the folly of fools brings folly. Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. In other words, we're going to talk about this in a little bit. Planning, budgeting, knowing where your money's going. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. You get money, I got to spend it. That's a fool. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, but the sinner's wealth is laid up for the righteous. Proverbs 10, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow with it. In other words, if you're going to honor God with your wealth 100%, I love what he says, he adds no sorrow with it. it means you don't have to feel guilty. You can enjoy the blessings that he gives you because you know you're honoring him with your wealth. Not 10%, 100%. Here's my favorite, Proverbs 30, verse 8. Remove far from me falsehood in line. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. That is a beautiful definition of wealth. I want to be content. And really what he's saying is, Lord, 
navigate my heart. Don't give me too much. Don't give me too little. I'm right here. So, four financial habits that we see in Proverbs and how to build wealth God's way, or in other words, in how to get right back on the right path financially. First principle, same principle as last week, but if we don't understand this, nothing else makes sense. And it's this. Honor God first. Honor God first. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Last week, we talked about this and saw the importance of what does it look like to honor Him first, right? We discovered that money and the heart are very much connected. A lot of times, if you want to know where your heart is, just look where your money is. Where is your money going? You will find your heart there. And we said last week that if we're not able or we're not willing to trust God with our money, more than likely, we're not going to trust Him with other things. And we get this from what Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 6. He's like, listen, you cannot serve two masters. You just can't do it. You'll either serve one, love one, and spite the other. And he says, like, you cannot serve God and, right? And like this and is a shock. It was a shock to that audience, and it ought to be a shock to us. It's like you cannot serve God and money kind of showing us that Jesus knows the human heart. He's like, listen, I know that money is a fierce competitor for your heart and your trust and your security. So you can't serve both. So here's the reality, folks. You're honoring someone or something with your money. You are. So the question is, if you want to do it God's way, you honor him first because we understand that everything is God's. Everything is his. Everything is his. And we see this, this principle show up here in Proverbs 3.9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Whatever you make, whatever income you get, the first cut is the Lord's. That first 10% is the way they're talking. The tithe is a percent word. It's his. You honor him with that because here's the incentive. Here's the blessing. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. He wants to bless you. This is not prosperity theology that, that has nothing to do with this. Even though a lot of prosperity preachers will go, see, if you sow a seed of faith and give $100, even if you're on the verge of bankruptcy, give what little you have less and God will give you tenfold. And if he does it, well, it's your faith. You didn't have enough faith. Like, no, that's wrong. It's, it's, it's theologically wrong. This is stewardship this is a generosity theology that understands that God is the owner of everything. And this goes way beyond money. It starts with your life. Your very breath is on loan. If you're a believer, you are bought with the precious blood of, Je- blood of Jesus. Your life is no longer your own. Your life is a stewardship. Like, you've got to steward your life, your purpose, your time, your talents. At some point, you're going to stand before Lord Jesus, and he's going to say, what did you do with your life? Parents, listen. Grandparents, listen. You don't own your children. I said that first service, and there were kids going, see, I told you. It's just like, <laughs> let's not go there, right? Like, they're, they're, they're gifts given to you by God for you to steward, to raise them in the way that they should go, to honor the Lord, to guide them, 
to discipline them, to train them, to love them, because at some point, right, at some point, the Lord's going to say, what did you do with my, my, with my kids? Everything, your job, your wealth, everything. It's a stewardship. And so when we read a verse like this, this works this way, right? If we manage something the way that the owner wants us to manage, he will give us more. He will entrust us with more. If the Lord knows that we will honor him first with our first fruits, he will give us more. That's where this blessing comes in. And we give progressively. Jesus taught, right, if you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. Lord, don't give me too much. Don't give me too little. It's a heart thing. And if he knows we're able to honor him and manage it godly, he will bless us with more. That's stewardship. That's what we talk about when we deal with the 10%, right? It's not you give more, God's going to give you more. Like, it's not that. Like, it doesn't matter if he gives us more or less because regardless, we're going to honor him with more or with less. It's irrelevant. We will honor him first, no matter what. But you got to remember, wealth creation is a way of how we partner with God in building his kingdom. It's a trust issue. It will always be a trust issue. Honoring the Lord first is always a trust issue. Here's where I learned this lesson. When uh, Chris and I were first married, um, the first three, four years of our marriage, we did not break $15,000 as a household income for three, four years. I don't even remember, like, I, I can't even fathom what that was like. Like, I just remember moments, okay, moments just going, Lord, I'm Poe. I can't even afford the O and the R. Like, I'm just Poe. Like, I can't, I can't do it. You know, like, that's like, there's moments, and like, I'm just telling you, I want to be honest. When I looked at my budget, I was just like, ooh, Look at how much we could do if we didn't tithe. Anybody ever do that? Come on, don't leave me hanging, right? Or maybe I am just that bad. But like, I'd be tempted at those moments because it's like you just didn't have enough and have enough. And, and I felt this pressure of a, as a, a, a new husband of I got to provide for my family. You know, like there's people who are looking at me going, you know, you graduated from college. And I was raising support because I was in ministry and the position didn't pay. You had to raise your support so that way you could get paid. And people were like, so you went to college, paid a tuition, and now you're out of college asking people to pay you? Yeah. Right? And so I didn't have a lot of income, and it was really stressful. So one, I transitioned from being an associate college pastor at the church where I was raising support there, and then I went to um, work with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, which I had to raise money for as well. And there was a three- to four-month gap where there wasn't a single dollar that came in because I had to raise support. We had a mortgage, food, married, etc. right? All of those things. And there was one month where I was just like, gosh, I don't know how we're going to pay this mortgage. And I had to go to Urbana, which was a huge missions conference with InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. And on the day that I was leaving, someone gifted me in an envelope um, $400 cash. And I had it in my pocket. And it was basically, I was like, awesome, mortgage is paid, right? I'll give it when I get back. And I just had it in my pocket. And the last day of the conference, they always do this thing, okay, okay, there's 15,000, 20, 15, 20,000 people in the stands. They're like, okay, we're now going to ask the Lord to give an offering to this mission agency in Africa or China, whatever it is, and we want everybody to contribute. And I went, I gave my tithe this month. I have nothing left to give. So Lord, would you bless those who give? <laughs> right? Like, I was just like, Lord, bless them. And the whole time, like, God's like, um, Brandon, you got $400. And I started to reason with God. I was like, God, there's no way you're asking me to give that $400 because you don't want me to be irresponsible. 
I have a mortgage to pay. I can't be responsible with that money, right? And then I went, after I reasoned with that, then I went to, oh, maybe I'm just like, my emotions are being tugged, and I'm just feeling guilted into giving, and so da 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 And the whole time, I'm just wrestling with the Lord. And what God did in my heart at that moment was, it was something that stuck with me. The issue wasn't me and the mortgage. The issue had nothing to be, do with me and uh, my job, me and fundraising. It had everything to do with, do I trust him? Folks, it will always be that with your money. It will never be the church's fault for asking for money. It will never, like, unless the church is really just wrong and arrogant about it. It will always be a trust issue. Do you trust me? Do you trust me with this? And that's what I learned. I, I was so broken at that moment. And I, I gave that $400 and it was hard. Like, there was still a part of me that was mad. I was like, God, now I'm going to deal with this. You know, and I went home and I didn't have money for the mortgage. But guess what? God provided for the mortgage. And it was a lesson that I went, wow, Lord, I can trust you. And I know some people would be like, listen, Brandon, you don't understand. The money I make is my money. Like, I earned that money. But we got to understand a higher level concept of stewardship. Okay, look at Deuteronomy 8.18. You shall remember the Lord your God. This is written to Israel as they're moving into the promised land, a time of prosperity. They're going to inherit these homes and cities that they've never built and vineyards that they never built. And it's going to be this land of flowing with milk and honey. It's like, listen, don't forget this. It is he who gives you power, or another way of saying it, the ability to get or produce wealth. Who's doing the producing? Come on, participate. Who's participating here? You. We are the ones who are getting wealth, producing wealth. Who gives you the ability to do that? God. It's all his. He's like, don't forget. Wealth creation is God's plan. It's a trust thing. Okay? We get to partner with him this way. It's about trusting God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In fact, I'm, I'm hitting this one because this one is the most important one because everything else will fall into place if we get this one. Over and over and over and over in the Bible, we're told to not test God. Don't test me, 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 don't test me. You stumble upon this passage in Malachi 3.10 and it says, test me. Test me in this. And, you, and what's the area of testing? Test me with your money. Israel in this moment, wasn't tithing. They were withholding. They were keeping what is rightfully God's. And it says that you, you rob, you're robbing me of this. And obviously there's a heart issue where they're not trusting the Lord because that's the concept here. Test me. See if I'm trustworthy. And will I not like overflow, give above and beyond, right? And some people would go, well, Brandon, listen, this is an Old Testament thing. You're right. This promise is not connected to us. However, the principle holds. It's a trust issue. Test him. Jesus taught in Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom of God, and the rest will be added to you. Don't rob me, right? So here, let me shock you. You ready? The New Testament doesn't command tithing. I knew it, right? Like, here's what the New Testament does. 
It assumes it. It already assumes you're doing it. In fact, the New Testament philosophy of giving is way above and beyond the law standard of a tithe. And here's why I say that. Jesus is our example, right? Like I can almost imagine like Jesus saying to us, you've heard it said, you shall give a tithe, but I say to you, because when we look at his life, we see something. And if we look at the New Testament, what we see in the concept in an arena of giving is this. You see generous giving. And the concept of generous giving was always above and beyond a threshold percentage, right? Cheerful giving. You never had to like really coax people and people weren't like, oh, I got to give, I have to give. They're like, no, we get to, we get to. Like who, how? Excited to partner with God. Sacrificial giving, meaning if like, if I have this extra car and I see a brother or sister in need, I'm going to sell that car. I don't need it. It's a sacrifice to me. But here you go. Like giving to the point where actually it hurts you. It costs you something to give. Spontaneous giving, see a need, meet a need. Regular giving, the New Testament teaches, give your gift at the beginning of each week. You see that concept in there. And then the last one, this one is revolutionary, thankful giving. When you give to the church or you give to a mission agency or whatever, God, thank you for the opportunity to give. Thank you that we get to do this. Thank you for this opportunity to honor you. Thank you that I get to participate in investing in your kingdom. This is what the New Testament teaches, and Jesus is our exemplar for it. He gave all, right? There's no, like, law mandate. You've got to give this, da-da-da. It's assumed that it's there. And Proverbs would even say, as we said last week, the heartbeat of Proverbs is to get on the right path, right? Like, that's, that's the heartbeat. And so one of the things that we're challenging, the church, like, everybody in this building at Austin Oaks Church is to take their next step. And that's why we just have this simple card here. It's in your bulletin. And I want to encourage you, take this out, reflect on it, ask the Lord, how do I honor you, Lord, with this? What is my next step of obedience in the area of generosity? Okay? Because we need to be always moving in this direction. Because some of you aren't on the path. Some of you aren't honoring God in that area for other reasons. Some of you know you could be doing more, but you're not doing more for whatever reason. And so we just want you just to take this and do it with the Lord. And it's just a simple tool. This is for you. Annual household income. How much money do you make? And right here, you just have this kind of baseline. Like, here's a tie. This is what 10% looks like. And you go, okay, Lord, what is it that you're calling us to do? So maybe some of you are at zero. To get on the path, give 1%. Give 2% because we understand that giving is progressive. Just get on the right path. And some of, uh, some of you have asked me what the resource initiative thing is, and I want to explain that to you real quick. As a leadership here at Austin Oaks Church, a few weeks ago, we felt strongly that the Lord put it on our hearts to set out on a short campaign to eliminate the debt that's sitting here, 500 grand. And so we said, absolutely, we want to eliminate the debt, do that right, finish that, because there are other needs and opportunities down the road that we want to invest in, but let's do this first. And so we had those family meetings and people responded. And now we're giving you the opportunity just to simply ask the Lord, is there anything that you want me to give, Lord, to the elimination of debt? Without a doubt, in my mind, I believe, because God said it, that the debt will be eliminated by the end of the year. We want to give you the opportunity to do that. So fill this out, tear it off. This part here, just write your name and the percent that you feel 
calling you to walk out and live out for this next season, put it there. And if you're going to give to Research, just put it there. Here's what we're going to do with this. Tear it off, put it in an offering plate, connect box, wherever. I'm going to pray for you. That's all I'm going to do. We're not going to call you. We're not going to knock on your door. We're not going to... I want to pray for you. It was so... I'm telling you, the Lord was interceding as I was praying for the cards last week. And I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you receive God's blessing. That's all it is. It's, a, it's, it's an accountability. So I do want everybody in this church to ask this question, okay? Because some of you really need to be thinking, how do I move in this direction, okay? All right. So we honor God first with our wealth. And the second thing that we need to do in order to honor God with the 100% is that we, we first give and then we save, okay? We need to save wisely, you will see this principle all throughout Proverbs. Save, okay? okay? So here's what we're going to discover. Look at Proverbs 21.20. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. A wise man saves. A foolish person, the moment they get money, they spend it. Ooh, I finally got this. I'm going to buy a brisket. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Like, I get this, I'm going to get that. It's just like you just get it and you finally got it and you just go out and spend. And a lot of times, even when you get enough, you actually start to spend more than what you have and you find yourself using credit. A wise person saves. Proverbs, excuse me, multiple times tells us that savings, how we save is actually a wisdom test. A fool spends quickly, a wise person saves, Okay. It's a wisdom test. Now, I, I, I stumbled upon some statistics that, like, shocked me. But it shouldn't have shocked me, but it did. So the average Japanese person saves 25% of their annual household income per year. The average European, 15%. And the average American spends 1% more than what they make. We get this, right? We, we understand this. And so, listen, if you're not saving, if you're not building wealth that way, guess what happens? Money starts to own you. Right? Like, at the end of the month, you're like, where did my money go? Or we start to spend more than we have, and we got credit. And all of a sudden, we got to do all these other things, and guess what happens? It's like, we're not able to be as generous as we ought to be, because we're obligated to be a slave to the debtor. Right? And so we, we see these things. Like, and I, I always think about it this way. It's like money makes a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. If, if you're not saving wisely, money will start to control and dictate your decisions versus the opposite. We're called to save. Right? That's a wise thing. And we don't save so that we accumulate riches and go, look at all my wealth and build up our security. And all these things. No, no, our security and our trust is always in the Lord. We save up that wealth so that we never fall into like financial like risk or whatever, even though sometimes that happens. It's so that we're able to invest generously. We're able to give spontaneously. We're not being controlled by debt. And I, and I stumbled upon this proverb in the New Living Translation, and I think it's, it's amazing. Okay, wealth from get-rich-quick schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Oh, we all know what a get-quick-rich scheme looks like, don't we? How many of you have been tempted by one? I got a secret. 
if you follow the secrets and if you invest in my plan, and if you buy my book and you get in this program and da-da-da-da-da, it will make you so wealthy and rich, you wouldn't even know what to do. You got to buy now, you got to get now, you got to do it now, you got to, and you're like, oh my gosh, yes I do. Greed makes you gullible. That's free. Greed makes you gullible. What do you feel like? I got to have, I got to have. Like any plan, you're like, that's awesome. Riches goes, like, God's plan is like, listen, it, it takes hard work. There's no way of going around this. And you save little by little by little. So you got to learn how to save money wisely. And so one of the ways I love to say it is like, first we honor God by giving him our first fruits, 10%. And then we save to build wealth, which in a good standard is like another 10%, 10%, 10%. We give first to the Lord, we save 10%, and we live off the 80, which ultimately teaches us contentment. Well, you can't do that unless you're doing the third part that we see in Proverbs is to plan well and to work the plan. Proverbs teaches us to plan well when it comes to our wealth. Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Proverbs 27.23, be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Um, Most of us don't have flocks. And contextual, put stocks there, right? Like, it's like knowing your finances, knowing the condition of your wealth. Give careful attention to your herds. Do you, do you know what you own? Do you know how much you owe? Do you know how much you make? Do you know what you're spending your money on? Do you know where your money is being spent? Like, this isn't just like financial counsel from the world. Biblical. Be sure you know the conditions of your flocks. Do you not know? Like literally, if you like at the end of the month, you're like, where did my money go? Like you got to learn how to budget. A wise person budgets. A wise person tells its money where to go versus the money dictating to you where it needs to go. Proverbs 27, 24. For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. So again, know the conditions of your flock. What do you owe? What do you own? Right? What do you earn? What and where are you spending? Because <laughs> this is great. You know the phrase money, money talks? Yeah, money doesn't talk. Money just walks away. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. And when I read that verse this week, immediately Stevie Miller band came in my head. <laughs> fly like an eagle. You know, you, you know, can you relate to that? This is how you honor God with your wealth. It's not just giving the first fruits. It's saving wisely. This is Proverbs. This is how to benefit your life. You save wisely, but you got to plan. And not only do you plan it, you got to respect the beard. You got to actually work the plan. And so here's something I want to encourage you to do to prayerfully consider being part of Financial Peace University. Okay? Because some of you right now, like Proverbs might be like reading your mail. You might have thought that maybe you're honoring the Lord with your wealth, but the reality is you're only doing it with like what you give, but you're not thinking about the rest. Or maybe you're like, you don't have any margin and you're like, I'm just so far in debt. I don't know money principles. I don't know how to manage this, all this kind of stuff. 
Financial Peace University is a course that teaches you biblical principles and how to manage God's uh, money God's way, okay? And so here's what I want you to do. In the seats in front of you is a Connect card. If you want to go through Financial Peace University, it starts January 26th. Write your name down. Put down your email. Put down your phone number and say FPU. And here's, here's a deal, okay? We will cover 30% of your cost. The church will cover 30% of your cost if you're in. And if you can't even afford the full cost, you're like, I need this, but I can't do it, talk to me. We'll cover it 100%. Because the reason why we're doing this is because we want you to get on the right path so that way you can experience the blessings that God has for you. Because here's the last point. You honor God with your wealth all 100%, not just 10, 100. You save wisely, you plan and work the plan. And the last thing is, you got to commit it all to the Lord. You've got to commit it all to the Lord. Proverbs 16.3 says this. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. This is a, a totality verse, like everything. But in, even in an arena of finances, commit it all to the Lord. Do it his way. I have people ask me, I had people ask me last week, Brandon, when do I start giving? I, I don't have the, the means or the margin to do it. When do I start giving? My answer was right now. It's a trust thing. Start now. Even if it's just a little bit, just start. Get on the path. Well, Brandon, like, okay, I, I don't have the margin necessarily to start saving. What should I do? When should I start saving? Start now. It's God's plan. Even if it's just a little. If it's $5, just start. Progress over time. You honor God by giving your first. You save and build wealth. Second, you learn contentment by living on the rest. That's biblical wealth. That is God's plan. And he's doing this and he's telling us this for your good. So I know that a message like this is super practical. But like I said, it's a trust issue. It's a trust issue. And so I just want to remind us, Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And last week we used this illustration having poker chips on the table and just having that moment where you're like, I want to go all in. Just go all in. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your understanding. This is God's word. This is his plan to how to build wealth. Do it his way. I guarantee you, he will bless you. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that it's true. It cuts right to the matter. Lord, and I pray for us as we start to just ask you what our next step is in our financial journey, in our generosity journey. Lord, that you would speak. Give us the courage to act. Lord, you want us to trust you. You, you alone are worthy of trust. Over and over and over in your word, you promised your faithfulness to this. So, Lord, as we do this, Lord, I ask that for us as a church that we would begin to experience freedom, not just financially, but like freedom in every area of our life because we start to realize that if we lay money down and we trust you with that issue, we will experience freedom in so many other spots that we didn't realize that are following that. 
So Lord, we just pray that you would speak. Would you bless? Lord, would you use these moments now to encourage us? Lord, we want to be wise. We want to be wise. We pray this in Jesus' name.